Thank you for joining us today. At Cross Church, we believe people need Jesus, people need each other, people change the world, and people leave legacies. Our desire is for you to understand, accept, and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Cross Church, please visit crosschurch.com. Let's grab our Bibles. Exodus chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. If you're brand new, we have been walking through the book of Exodus uh, since the first Sunday in January. We will do this all the way through about Memorial Day. So we are spending about 21 weeks in the book of Exodus. And uh, today, here's what we're going to talk about. The danger of a hardened heart. The danger of a hardened heart. In all reality, if I were honest with you, the next four weeks are on the danger of a hardened heart. Today, we're going to learn how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And over the next few weeks, you're going to understand that sometimes God does the hardening. And other times, Pharaoh did the hardening in his own heart towards God. And I think this goes without saying, but let me just say it for for all of us here in the room. A hardened heart is never good. Have you seen that in your own life? A hardened heart is never good, okay? And you and I can get there easily. Uh, We get a hardened heart towards other people. Uh, If we're honest with ourselves, we get a hardened heart towards God sometimes. And usually this all centers around pain or disappointment. If you're a note taker, I would encourage you to write that down. It all revolves around pain or disappointment. Somebody said something to you, somebody stabbed you in the back. Maybe, maybe you expected God to act one way and he acted the opposite way. And the result is you get a hardened heart. And uh, what you need to know is, like I said, it, it's easy to get there. And you often don't get to this place intentionally. There's probably nobody in this room, much like we said last Sunday, there's nobody in the room that tries to plug your ears with God. And likely there's nobody in this room or in the room at Pinnacle Hills who you would say, you know what, you know, Nick, I would love to have a hardened heart my entire life. Nobody is like that. And yet all of us get here from time to time. And here's the scary thing. You may be here this morning and you may not even realize that you're here. You may have a hardened heart towards other people or towards the Lord. And uh, here's what I'll say. If the shoe fits today, it's time to wear it. It's time to deal with the Lord and, uh, and move forward. So with that in mind, let's just look at our Bibles, Exodus chapter seven. Let's begin reading in verse one. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Remember, Moses was insecure about his inability to speak. God sends Aaron, his brother, to go alongside of him. Verse two, you shall speak all that I command you and your brother shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. So here, it's almost like a forecast of something that's about to happen. God says, I'm going to make you like God to Pharaoh. In other words, here's the way to understand what God is saying here. God is about to show Pharaoh that there is something uniquely distinct about Moses that's different from Pharaoh. And there is some kind of extraordinary power that's about to sit down on the life of Moses. And if you're familiar with the story, this absolutely is about to happen. Now, how will Pharaoh respond? God addresses this directly. Look at verse three. Here's what God's gonna do. He says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people and the children of Israel 
out of the land of, of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Okay, so the Bible just told us, God says three things are about to happen. If you're taking notes, write these three things down. He is, again, he's forecasting what's about to happen in the story of the Exodus. Number one, God says, I will harden the heart of Pharaoh. You may read this and it's a logical question to ask, why would God harden the heart of Pharaoh. As I mentioned a moment ago, throughout the book of Exodus, this is a back and forth. Sometimes God does the hardening of the heart. Sometimes Pharaoh hardens his own heart before the Lord. And uh, Paul actually addresses this in the New Testament. Remember Romans 9 through 11, one of the most uh, interesting, confusing passages in the New Testament. And yet here's how Paul addresses this entire thing with Pharaoh. He says, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, speaking about God here, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and hardens whomever he wills. In other words, God did all that he's about to do with Pharaoh, including the hardening, listen to me, so that the glory and name of God would be lifted Paul closes out that expression uh, of God's ultimate authority that God can do whatever God desires to do. He can harden whom he wants to harden and he can have mercy on whomever he wants to have mercy. In other words, this God is not like me. It is not like you. This God reigns above and reigns supreme in all the universe. That's how we understand why God would harden the heart of Pharaoh. God says the second thing's about to happen. He says that Pharaoh will not listen to you or Aaron. Not gonna listen to Moses, not gonna listen to Aaron. Because of the hardness of heart, Pharaoh will not listen. Now, uh, let me make this personal. You ever gotten in a heated argument with somebody? Like maybe on the way to church today, uh, in, the, in the car, in the van, with the kids, with the wife, with the husband, whatever it may be. And uh, have you ever gotten into an argument where your heart got hardened? Maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was a parent, sibling, friend, whatever it may be. Maybe you got hurt by somebody, a root of bitterness sprang up and it's taken hold of your life. You can feel your heart being hardened against that person and you didn't expect to get there. You didn't plan to get there, but you're there. Maybe somebody had the gall to, to tell you the Dallas Cowboys are not America's team any longer and your heart has gotten hardened. That's okay if it's hardened on that, okay? Because they're wrong, all right? <laughs> what happens when you get a hardened heart towards somebody else? The last thing that you want to do is listen to that person. That's why when you get in a conflict in marriage or a conflict between friends, until there's reconciliation, it is as if, like last Sunday, your ears are plugged to their voice. Why? Because your heart has been Hardened. You don't care what they say. You do not care anything they do until reconciliation happens. That's what's about to happen to Pharaoh. God says a third thing will happen. He says that God will pour out judgment upon Egypt. I'm about to pour out judgment on Pharaoh and upon the people of Egypt. Now, these are the 10 plagues that are famous in the book of Exodus. Starting next Sunday, we will spend the next several weeks walking through the 10 plagues. Plagues, And this is going to bring uh, Egypt ultimately to its knees. And ultimately, they are going to let the people of Israel 
go out and they will experience the exodus of Egypt. Now, I don't want you to miss out on this principle. It's mentioned twice in this passage, okay? Why is God doing this? Why is God doing the hardening? Why would God send 10 plagues that may not line up with who you have in your mind about God? And so you read the Bible, which is where we should get our view of who God is. And you say, why would God do the hardening and why would God send 10 brutal plagues upon the people of Egypt? Here's what it is. It's the same goal in mind, the glory of God. Now, we're calling this series on Exodus, Exodus. It's a great title, is it not? The subtitle is this, the glory of God. Why do we give it that subtitle? Because you see the glory of God again and again and again. The glory of God on display, even in our passage today, to show how unique, how different, and how set apart our God is. No one else can harden hearts or extend mercy like our God can. No one else can inflict judgment like our God does. So here's what Exodus chapter seven shows us. It shows us a simple but vital truth. God is entirely holy and set apart from us. If you don't get anything else uh, in the message today, you need to get that simple truth. God is completely holy and set apart from us. We are made in the image of God. He is not made in the image of us. Let me say it to you again. We are made in the image of God. God is not made in the image of us. Often we expect God to act like we would act. And we expect him to operate as if he was made in our image. And yet the Bible flips that and says, you are made in the image of God and he stands apart from you, set apart from you, completely and utterly holy. God can do things that you cannot do. He is worthy of our praise and worthy of our lives. You ever heard somebody say, well, Nick, I wanna live a life for the glory of God. Maybe you've said that in your own life. I wanna be a person who lives for the glory of of God. What does that mean? What are people actually saying when they say, I want to live a life for the glory of God? Here's what it's saying. I want to fully submit to this God who is entirely unlike me. And I want his name to be lifted high through my life. That's what it means to live for the glory of God. I want to completely submit my life to him. And I want his name to be great as a result of my life. Pretty powerful stuff so far, huh? Look at verse six. It says, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was, listen to this, 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. This was in our message two weeks ago. I referenced that these two men were in their 80s. Now the Bible gives us specifically 80 and 83. So again, if you've ever felt like you are too old to serve God, Look at Exodus chapter seven, all right? In fact, this is a great little side note in the message. We often let our age get in the way of serving God. And it happens on both ends of the spectrum. Moses and Aaron could have easily said to God, Lord, I mean, look at us. We're no spring chickens anymore. Surely you could send somebody else besides us, somebody with more youth, more energy, more zeal. And uh, as I said, it works in both ways. Some people feel like they're too old to serve God. Some of you in these two rooms here, you think you're too young to serve God. And uh, you may feel like it's not your time yet. 
to serve God in the church. I often um, talk about with, with people outside of our church, I'll say, you know, we're a multi-generational church. Just look, look around the service right now. You do the same at Pentecost, just look around. You, you got people that are older in age, you got people that are younger in age. I say it all the time. We, we are a family church. And there's great value in a 70-year-old sitting next to a college student, sitting next to a fourth grader. By the way, that is the church. And uh, man, this passage just highlights a simple principle. You are a perfect age to serve God right now in your life. You're the perfect age. Some of you are like, man, I have not heard somebody say I'm the perfect age in like three decades, okay? You're the perfect age to serve God right where you're at. If you're too old, think about Moses and Aaron. If you think you're too old, remember that guy by the name of Caleb? Remember Joshua and Caleb who would be a part of the conquest into the promised land? Here's what he said in Joshua 14. Caleb says, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. So older than both Moses and Aaron. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war. 85 years, like let's bring it on. I'm ready to go to battle. And for going and for coming, he says, so now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. What a great motto for your life. Hills at 85. Like the older I get, the more I wanna be still taking mountains for God, taking hills for God, bringing us to the promised land. This also goes in the other direction. You may think because you're in elementary school in one of these two rooms or you're in junior high or high school, maybe you feel like you're in your 20s or 30s and you look around and say, man, I, I am not cut out to lead here. There's a lot of you who are older than me. It's their time, it's not my time. Remember what Paul said to Timothy? He said, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. In other words, don't let anybody look down on you, but set the example with your life this is how you love people. This is how you conduct your life. This is how you exemplify faith and purity. This is how you speak. And uh, let the older generation be ones that look at your life and say, golly, man, we got, we got to crank it back up here. Look at how they're running hard after Jesus. Here, here's the goal for the church. This is beyond just crushers. Here's the goal for the church, okay? We need the energy, passion, and zeal of the younger generation combined with the wisdom and spiritual maturity of the older generation. Again, that is the church. And God doesn't sideline people because you're too old or sideline people because you're too young. But everybody's got a part to play in the church. Everybody's got a part to play in the kingdom of God. So whoever you are, whatever age you are, however long you've been at the church, here's what I would tell you. We need you in the game. Everybody at Springdale campus, look at me in the eyes. We need you in the game. Everybody at Pinnacle Hills, we need you in the game. Let, let this spring be a time where you leave the sidelines and you get in the game. You, you start serving for the very first time. You get in a small group for the first time. You, you start giving generously for the very first time. Like get in the game of what God is doing at the church regardless of your age. He goes on, verse eight. says, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle. 
Then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. Now pause there for a moment. You remember, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. So God promised this a few chapters ago that I'm gonna give you the power with this staff to throw it on the ground and it's gonna become a snake. This is real life, like in time right now. This is when he was speaking about. Verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded and Aaron cast his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. How many of you, again, hate snakes and two weeks in the sermon series is too much for you? Hey, that's... That's where the Bible is at yet again. And here's what you have. You have God telling Moses and Aaron exactly what to do. And then Moses and Aaron do exactly what God told them to do. It's a great pattern for the Christian life, by the way. Listen to exactly what God says to do and then go and do exactly what God says to do. This one here, involves one of the first displays of the power of God on display before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked for a miracle. Moses got the staff, throws it down. It becomes a snake. Again, we're not told what kind of snake this was, but let's just remember, this is the Middle East. Ain't no garter snakes in the Middle East. I'm, I'm assuming here, but when I read the story, I'm picturing one with a hood that spits. Okay. Hood spits. That's... Not told that in the Bible, it's just, it's what I see, okay? Verse 11 says, then Moses summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So if you really hate snakes, the whole story just got really bad. There's not just one, there's actually... There's a lot of them now, and, uh, and it's just a crazy scenario. You can imagine being in that room. So Pharaoh brings his own wise men and sorcerers, who I believe by the power of Satan do similar miracles, perhaps through witchcraft, through other types of secret arts. And this is an, an interesting thing for us to note in this passage that I don't know that we always go here in church, but it's a good reminder. Satan also has power. He also has power. Look at the world and look at the culture in which we live. We see that. Look in this passage. We, we see this as well. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul addressed the Antichrist at the end times? Let me throw this up on the screen for you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. How does he describe him? With all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Satan has the power. Satan has the ability to do false signs and wonders. So can I pass to you here for a moment in this room? Those of you at home, those of you at Pinnacle Hills today? Um, because of what we see in this passage, let me just issue a spiritual warning to you because of Satan's ability to do counterfeit signs and wonders, to do copycat types of signs and wonders because he still does have power in the world. Here's what I would encourage you with. Don't open your mind and do not open your life to evil things. Don't go playing around with Ouija boards, with movies that display evil things. 
I, I just, I don't, I don't let those things in my life. And here's what I believe. Greater is, in, is he that is in me than he is in the world. So I'm not afraid. But I also just want to issue a caution of don't open yourself up to things that the enemy can take ground in your life. Weird, spiritual, evil things like this, things like pornography that take ground in your life, things like a hardened heart that take ground in your life. We've got to be cautious towards that. I will not give that power to Satan in my own life, and I don't want you to as well. Now, here's what we ultimately see in the passage, okay? Again, this is not something to be afraid of, because here's what we see in Exodus 7. The power of God reigns supreme over the power of Satan. This is evident when the sorcerers throw down their staffs, they become snakes. As a weird, again, if you ate snakes, sorry for coming. Um, Moses and Aaron's snake swallows the other snakes. This is your worst nightmare, okay? Lived out in the Bible. And it's swallowing snake after snake after snake. Again, the glory of God on display, even in snakes. The power of God rules over the power of Satan. In your life, the power of God rules over the power of Satan. Again, so don't read this passage and be afraid. Read this passage, act accordingly, and believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's wrap up. Look at verse 13. After all this, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So Pharaoh sees the power of God and his heart is hardened, and he would not listen to Moses or to Aaron. Again, you kind of have this build of, okay, maybe, maybe this will turn the heart. And the passage ends with a downer. Still his heart was hardened, and still he not, did not listen to the voice of Aaron and of Moses. As we wrap up today, I want to I turn this from Pharaoh to you, okay? The title of next week's message is The Pharaoh in Me. Come back. I believe God's got a great word for us next week. But here's we wrap up. Let's, let's move from Pharaoh to your own life. I wanna give you two warnings today as we, as we close about a hardened heart. Two warnings in your life about a hardened heart. Number one is this. When your heart is hardened, you miss the power of God. When your heart is hardened, you miss the power of God. Think about the story right before his own eyes. Pharaoh sees a miracle. He experiences it up close, right in front of his face, the glory of God on display, and he misses it. When your heart gets hard, the same thing happens in your own life. You, you miss the power of God. And sometimes it's right here in front of your face and you miss the power of God. I wonder how many of you in this room, how many of you in the room at Pinnacle Hills, how many times do you walk into church and it seems like everybody else is being moved but you? 
And you think to yourself, man, why are people raising their hands? Why are people coming down to the altar at the end of the service? Why, why are these people being moved so much? Could it be because they just got a tender heart before the Lord? If you come in every single week to church and you just feel like there's a wall. And maybe you wonder, why is God not speaking to me? Why am I not sensing the presence of God? Why, why this, why that? I think today may, according to the word of God, be a great day to look in the mirror and say, am I the problem? Do I have a hardened heart that is causing me to miss out on the power of God in my life? Like, am I missing out what God is doing here at our church because of a hardened heart? There, there is something weird about a hardened heart. It's like pride, and sometimes those things go hand in hand. But a hardened heart has a unique way of not only affecting the heart, but the eyes. And it blinds you. It blinds you where you think that other people are the problem, the way they treated you is the problem, the way that God has operated, he's the problem. And I just wanna, I just wanna come back to you today and say, could it be that you need to look in the mirror and that the reason you're not experiencing the power of God in your life and you're missing it is because of a hardened heart before God. The second thing, and I'm done, when your heart is hardened, this one goes hand in hand, you cannot fully listen to God. You can't fully listen to God. This was the clear result in Pharaoh's life. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, God's servants. And uh, there's something about a hardened heart. We spoke about this briefly last week. There's something about a hardened heart that plugs your ears to the voice of God. And, and not trying to be gross, but, but it is like when wax builds up in your ear and things are muffled. You can't hear like you want to hear. And God desires to do a work where he clears your ears, where you hear fully the voice of God yet again in your life. Here's a warning. If you're not careful, those of you who've been wronged by somebody, which by the way is every one of us in the room, but if you're not careful, when you get hurt and you get bitter and you get resentful, here, here's the, the, the biggest caution I could give you before I, I, I end. When you begin to see everything in life through the lens of what was done wrong to you, that's a very, very, very slippery slope. So in other words, when, when you view all of life through a hardened heart, like that's the filter on your eyes, that, that's, a, that's a very dangerous place to be, a very slippery slope to be. I wonder how many of you, as, as we have opened up the word of God today, how many of you realize for the very first time in your life, you're like, Nick, I, I, I did not know this was me. But I think after hearing all that you've said, all that the word of God has laid out today, I think that I may be someone with a hardened heart. I think it may have overtaken me in ways that I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it, but it's here. Here's my encouragement to you. It's a great way to think about today as a response to God. Just think about your own heart and just think about just holding it before God and just saying, Lord, soften it yet again. 
make it tender yet again. I wanna experience the power of God in my life. I wanna be a person who is able to fully listen to God. And when this is wrong, when the heart is wrong, everything's wrong. When the heart is hardened, everything is wrong. And some of you, you are viewing everything in your life, every relationship in your life, every conversation in your life, every time you feel like somebody's about to hurt you in your life, you see it all through the lens of a hardened heart. And let me tell you, that is no way to live. And so you may say, well, Nick, how, am I, how am I supposed to get that right? How do, I, how do I soften my heart before God? Well, really, it's only a work of the Holy Spirit. Like there, there's so much that, that willpower and effort can do. And that's part of the equation today of God, I, I want to change. But we're talking about a spiritual issue here. Only God can soften a heart. But here's what I've experienced in my own life. And there's, there's great news. Whenever I have asked God to soften my heart, guess what he's done? Soften my heart. I don't think, I don't think if you come to God and say, Lord, I'm done being a person with a hardened heart. Hardened heart. Lord, I want to be soft before you. I want to have a tender spirit before you. I don't think God says, not here, buddy. Not here. Again, if we could rewind a couple weeks ago, whenever you come to God broken, whenever you come to God repentant, God has a way of meeting you in that, in that place. And for some of you, true life for the first time in a long time is on the other side of a softened heart. Can we bow our head and close our eyes together, both here in Pinnacle Hills? Our staff's gonna make their way to the front of each aisle and I'm gonna ask if you're a Christian in this room today, I'm gonna ask you to just ask the Lord, Lord, is my heart at a hardened place? Maybe you got hurt. It wasn't your fault. Maybe somebody did real wrong against you, real sin, real evil against you. It's not your fault. But today it is your responsibility to get right with God. You maybe didn't get to this place intentionally, but the only way that you're gonna get out of it is with intentionality. So I wonder how many Christians across these two rooms need to make your way to the altar here as we sing a final song. You say, God, I want a softened heart and I want to to experience your power. I want to experience a life that is able to listen to you. You may say, Nick, you mean I'm going to have to go to the altar in front of all these people and confess that I'm basically confessing to the crowd I've had a hardened heart. You want a soft heart? You willing to deal with it? Why don't you come? For some of you, you've never trusted Christ personally. In other words, you've had somewhat of a hardened heart towards God, whether you realized it or not, your entire life. You've lived your own way, lived for yourself and lived for sin. But even today, as I talk about the danger of a hardened heart, God's begun to soften your own heart. Again, only God can do that. Today maybe needs to be the day that some of you in this room, some of you in the room at Pinnacle Hills, for the very first time in your life, you need to get right with God. You need to trust Christ and be saved. That's why our staff is up here. It's why they're up front at Pinnacle Hills. 
And as soon as we stand and sing, if you need to get saved, you come straight to one of our staff. If you need prayer about something in your life, you come to one of our staff. Maybe you wanna just come and get on your face at the altar. Maybe you wanna come as a couple or as a family. Say, Lord, we wanna be people who hear from you. We wanna be people who experience the power of God. Whatever it is that God's saying to you, do it now. Lord, we trust you by faith to do a work of the Holy Spirit, a softening in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd bring people to Christ for the very first time. We trust you right now, Lord, to do some things that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like more information about your relationship with Jesus, please email us at info at crosschurch.com or visit our website at crosschurch.com. At Cross Church, our mission is to reach Northwest Arkansas, America, and the world for Jesus Christ.